day, Jimmy's boa ate the wash by Trinka Hakes Noble. Pictures by Stephen Kellogg. How was your class trip to the farm? Oh, boring. Kind of dull until a cow started crying. A cow crying? Yeah. You see, a haystack fell on her. But a haystack doesn't just fall over. It does if a farmer crashes into it with his tractor. Oh, come on. A farmer wouldn't do that. He would if he were too busy yelling at the pigs to get off our school bus. What were the pigs doing on the bus? Eating our lunches. Why were they eating your lunches? Because we threw their corn at each other and they didn't have anything else to eat. Well, that makes sense. But why were you throwing corn? Because we ran out of eggs. Out of eggs? Why were you throwing eggs? Because of the boa constrictor. The boa constrictor? Yeah. Jimmy's pet boa constrictor. What was Jimmy's pet boa constrictor doing on a farm? Oh, he wanted to meet all the farm animals, but the chickens didn't like it. You mean he took it into the hen house? Yeah, and the chickens started squawking and flying around. Go on. Go on. What happened? Well, one hen got excited and laid an egg and it landed on Jenny's head. The hen? No, the egg. And it broke. Lucky. All over her hair. What did she do? She got mad because she, she thought... Tommy threw it, so she threw one at him. What did Tommy do? Oh, he ducked and the egg hit Marianne in the face. So she threw one at Jenny, but she missed and hit Jimmy, who dropped his bow constructor. Oh, and I know the next thing you knew everyone was throwing eggs, right? Right. And when you ran out of eggs, you threw the pig's corn, right? Right again. Well, what finally stopped it? Well... We heard the farmer's wife screaming. 
why was she screaming? We never found out because Miss Stanley made us get on the bus and we sort of left in a hurry without the boa constrictor. I bet Jimmy was sad because he left his pet boa constrictor. Oh, not really. We left in such a hurry that one of the pigs didn't get off the bus. So now he's got a pet pig. Boy, that sure sounds like an exciting trip. Yeah, I suppose if you're kind of kid who likes class trips to the farm. The Day the Goose Got Loose by Reeve Lindbergh. Pictures by Stephen Kellogg. When the goose got loose, she caused a riot. Nobody ever thought she'd try it. There wasn't any more peace and quiet the day the goose got loose. When the goose got loose, the hens were mad. The goose ate all the grain they had. The roosters sulked and the chicks were sad the day the goose got loose. When the goose got loose, the sheep were scared. They huddled together and shivered and stared. They would have come into the house if they dared. The day the goose got loose. When the goose got loose, the ram went wild. He butted the Bixby's younger child. Her dress got messed and her hair unstyled the day the goose got loose. When the goose got loose, the horses were glad. They kicked up their heels and ran like mad. The colt was silly. The filly was bad the day the goose got loose. When the goose got loose, the cows were tense. The goose provoked a bull named Spence. He charged right through the pasture fence the day the goose got loose. When the goose got loose, our herd was gone. They galloped into the courthouse lawn. The sergeant brought them back at dawn the day the goose got loose. When the goose got loose, my dad was annoyed. He said this wasn't a day he enjoyed. His morning routine was completely destroyed the day the goose got loose. When the goose got loose, my mom was upset. She said the goose was a personal pet. She walked all around with a butterfly net the day the goose got loose. When the goose got loose, my brother knew why he heard the wild geese flying high. They stood in the meadow and they waved goodbye.
the day the goose got loose. When the goose got loose, my grandmother said, quite late in the evening just before bed, I wonder what thoughts went through her head the day the goose got loose. When the goose got loose, I dreamed a dream. A beautiful dream. A magical dream. The day the goose got loose. The Boy Who Was Followed Home by Margaret May Pictures by Stephen Kellogg One day, a small, quiet, ordinary boy called Robert was coming home from school. He looked over his shoulder and there was a hippopotamus following him. Robert was surprised and pleased, pleased because he had always liked hippopotami and surprised because nothing like this had ever happened to him before. When he got home, the hippopotamus followed him up the steps and tried to come in at the door. Robert thought his mother would not like this, so he shooed it away. It went and laid down in the goldfish pond on the lawn. What on earth is that in the goldfish pool? asked Robert's father. It's a hippopotamus, father, said Robert. Really, said the father. People should keep their hippos chained up and not allow them to go climbing into other people's goldfish pools. The next day, the hippopotamus followed Robert to school. Robert was working and playing all day and did not think of hippopotamus until he went home in the afternoon. Then there was a rustling noise behind him. When he turned around, there were four hippos following. Robert was even more pleased and more surprised than he had been the day before. He was delighted to think that he was the sort of boy hippopotami would follow. When he got home, the hippopotami went and sat in the goldfish pool. It was quite a big pool, but with four hippos in it, it seemed quite small. There are four hippopotami in our goldfish pool this evening, said Robert's mother. That seems quite a few. The next day, the four hippos quietly followed Robert to school. That afternoon, when he walked home, nine hippopotami followed him and got into the goldfish pool. Things went on like this for several days. Robert's parents, who were very polite, tried to ignore the growing number of hippopotami crowding into the goldfish pool. But when there were 27 hippos jostling each other all over the lawn, Robert's father gave them a gloomy look and said, I wonder where they came from. They follow me home from school, Robert said. They like me. There seems to be only one solution for it. We'll have to get a witch to put a spell on you to make you unattractive to hippos. 
Robert was sorry because, as you know, he liked hippos, but he had to admit 27 were too many for any lawn. The father looked up witches in the telephone book and selected Miss Kathy Squinge, who advertised children as her specialty. She made an appointment the following midnight sharp on the broomstick hour. Miss Squinge appeared down the chimney. Hippo's trouble, I see, she said, having counted 43 hippos on the lawn that evening. A simple pill solve all difficulties? Give it to us quickly, said the father, anxious to get rid of Miss Kathy Squing, who is not very respectful looking. There is one disadvantage, perhaps, began Miss Squing. The pill does cure people of hippos, but... No buts, said the father grandly. Just give us the pill. So Miss Squing passed the pill to Robert, who swallowed it down. The pill is guaranteed, said Miss Squing, but perhaps I should warn you. Enough, said the father, and shooed Miss Squing up the chimney. Sure enough, the next morning, the pill worked wonderfully, although Robert seemed no different. He had no sooner stepped outside than the 43 hippopotami slunk away from him, giving him reproachable looks over their shoulders. Within minutes, the lawn and even the streets were empty of the hippopotami. Robert couldn't help being a bit sorry, as he was a boy who liked hippos, but off he went to school happily enough. He played and worked all day, and at least, at last, at last, it was time to go home. As he walked along, he turned around, half expecting to see the hippos, but there wasn't a hippo in sight. A giraffe. Four giraffes. Robert was very pleased. Pecos Bill, a tall tale retold and illustrated by Stephen Kellogg. Back in the rugged pioneer days when Pecos Bill was baby, his kinfolk decided that New England was becoming entirely too crowded, so they piled into covered wagons and headed west. The clan considered setting, settling in East Texas, but Bill's mom noticed homestead of putting up a shack about 50 miles away. Another crowded neighborhood, she grumbled. Let's push on. As they crossed the Pecos River, Bill threw out fish and wine, but when a Texas bout nibbled, Bill was yanked overboard. He was towed far downstream, and he would have drowned for sure if an old coyote hadn't grabbed him. Her family adopted Bill and taught him the ways of the wild creatures. 
By the time Bill had outgrown his breeches, he felt like a member of the pack. He loved to rope with his coyote brothers, and he grew older. He sometimes played with the bighorn sheep. One day, a drifter named Chuck stumbled across Bill while he was taking a nap. He asked Bill what he meant by snoozing in the brush without his trousers. Bill tried to explain that he was a coyote. Horse feathers, said Chuck. You're a Texan just like me. Bill decided to give life as Texan a try. He borrowed Chuck's extra clothes and prepared him with questions. To tell you the truth, said Chuck, most Texans flea-bitten outlawed and the worst of them are the Hell's Glutch Gang. But even they would be okay if they become ranchers and herd longhorns that wander hereabouts. Ranching sounded good to Bill, and he handed, headed for Hell's Gulch, determined to recruit the gang. But Bill's plan was interrupted when he was ambushed by a giant rattlesnake. When Bill dodged the snake's fangs and slapped its coils around him, the snake squeezed hard, but Bill squeezed harder. He didn't let up until every drop of poison was out of that reptile, leaving it skinny as a rope and mild as a goldfish. Then, before Bill could catch his breath, he was tackled by a critter that was part grizzly, part puma, part gorilla, and part tarantula. They wrestled up and down the canyon and kicked up a quiet dust of swarm before the monsters finally became so dizzy it had to quit. No one had ever tangled with those two varmints and lived to tell tale. So when Bill met up with Hell's Gulch gang, they were thunderstruck. Who's the boss of this outfit? Bill asked. I was, mumbled Gunsmith. But now, you is. Bill told the gang that he was going to turn every last one of them into respectable ranch hands. But the men claimed the Texas cattle were much too honorary to ever put up with ranching. Bill had a sudden inspiration, and he approached a longhorn that was sulking nearby. Just as Bill whirled around to trample him, Bill snagged him with a rattlesnake and yanked with all his might. Cattle roping has just been invented. Bill shared that bull out of its skin with a blood-curling coyote howl. The embarrassed creature hiled it off to grow a new coat while Bill cut the hide into strips and passed them out to the men to use as lassos. Then cowboys and cattle tangled in a rough and tumbled halibu that is remembered to this day as the first western rodeo. When it ended, the gang declared they'd be cowboys forever and they promised to help Bill round up every steer in Texas. Bill needed a horse to ride on the big roundup. Well, said Chuck, there's a wild stallion in the mountains that some folks call lightning. 
Others think the name Widowmaker suits him better. But no matter what you call him, he's the fastest, most beautiful horse in the world. Bill went off in search of lightning. As soon as he saw him, Bill knew he'd found the horse for him. Bill chased lightning north of the Arctic Circle and south of the bottom of the Grand Canyon. Finally, he cornered the stallion and jumped onto his back. Lightning exploded from the canyon, leaping and bucking across three states. Then Bill began to sing in the language he had learned from his coyote family. He sang of his admiration for the stallion's strength and the promise to him a lifetime of partnership and devotion. When Bill was done singing, he offered the horse his freedom, but Lightning chose to follow him forever. With Pecos, Bill, and Lightning leading them, the cowboys whooped across the state of Texas, rounding up every last steer. But their high spirits collapsed when they were faced with the job of driving that enormous herd back and forth between the summer and the winter ranges. To silence their grumbling, Bill set up the perpetual motion ranch on Pinnacle Peak, which was so high that the top remained in winter while spring and autumn turned into summer at the base. A team of praised dogs helped Bill to fence off the mountain so that the cattle would wander through the seasons unattended. Bill's plan worked fine except Pinnacle Peak was so steep the steers fell right off whenever there was a breeze. The men had to work harder than ever carrying the cattle back up the hill. Bill solved that problem by inventing steers with very short legs on one side of their bodies. Even in windstorms, these cattle could stand securely on the slope as long as they kept their short leg sides uphill. Now the men at Perpetual Motion Ranch had all kinds of free time, and Bill became known as the world's greatest cowboy. But the high point of Bill's life came when Slewfoot Sue passed by on the back of a catfish. Bill was instantly in love and he hollered a proposal of marriage. Sue agreed on two conditions. First, Bill had to buy her a wedding dress with a bustle, and second, he had to let her ride lightning to the ceremony. The first request was Evie. Bill galloped to Dallas and bought back the fanciest bustle dress in the city. Sue's second request was not so simple. Although Slewfoot Sue was a first-rate rider. The moment her bustle touched the saddle, she was blasted skyward. Sue soared round the moon and began the long distance to earth. She landed squarely on her bustle, but quickly, but quick as Bill was, he couldn't get to her before she bounced back into outer space. Time and time again, Sue hit the ground and rocketed back toward the stars. Sue probably would have sailed back and forth forever if Bill hadn't lassoed a tornado to help him catch his bouncing bride. The pair of them clung to that creening storm 
until it blew itself out over California. To Bill's amazement, he and Sue landed on top of Ma and Pa's wagon. Bill couldn't believe his kinfolk were still searching for a home site. He told them they could spend the rest of their days roaming, but they'd never find a place to equal Texas. Everyone returned to Bill's ranch for a wing-ding of a family reunion, and today their descendants are still there, happily herding cattle.